Universal Q, your guide to the comic book multiverse. Now in podcast form. I'm Luke. I'm Devin. And this week we are here with the one and only Akira the Dawn to discuss Death Set. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm awesome. I'm very joyful. I just read a Death Set comic. So I'm super happy. I know that you're a big fan of Death Set. You were the guy who explained it to me with your awesome Death Set comic, which we have actually linked to before on the website. Because, uh, yeah. Uh, Charnel had come up in a previous uh, comic that we reviewed. And so, could you sort of explain Death's Head? Because he's been making a resurgence, and for people who didn't grow up with the Marvel UK boom, he, he can be a bit weird to understand. I would, he's kind of, he's an interesting character. He's kind of like, he's, he's, he's a sort of comedic character. He kind of had a lot of uh, Deadpool's attributes, or Deadpool, really. And I kind of feel if the MCU needed that kind of character... Then they should bring in Death's Head. Death's Head is basically uh, a robot bounty hunter who prefers to be known as a freelance peacekeeping agent because he has a sense of humor. He first appeared in a Transformers comic, like the size of a Transformer, and then I think Doctor Who shrunk him or something insane. But anyway, he's like a time traveling mercenary with an interesting sense of humor. He kind of interacts with lots of sort of intergalactic types, all that, those sort of almost Star Warsian weird alien types that pop up in the Marvel Universe at times. Uh, he used to have like this ginger sidekick who he hated, which was kind of like the Bojack Horseman and Todd relationship, actually. Huh. I've seen Bojack Horseman. Oh, yeah. But, oh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, so he's got this kind of antagonistic relationship with like a young kid who sort of follows him around, who kind of hates and bullies, but they kind of need each other, sort of. And yeah... I don't know, he didn't last that long. He was in like the late eighties, and he had lots of adventures. And he met like Iron Man twenty twenty, various people. Sort of usually managed to come out on top of things, but he was always getting sent off to weird bits of time by Doctor Who for whatever reason. Yeah, he was one of those weird remnants when Marvel UK was doing a bunch of stuff like the Transformers comics, the Doctor Who comics, and yeah. it, it's sort of weird to think yeah. now. Super fucking cool. I loved him. I think I was like seven or something. I used to make my own little Death's Head comics. It was just hilarious. Badass, funny, asshole robot who like, gave no singular fucks for usual sort of superheroic, superheroic conduct. But did have like a sneaky little like good bit of him that allowed him to like occasionally do nice things but like pretend he was doing it for money. That is a great explanation. And then like when Marvel UK uh, folded as a line... He was sort of one of those characters who still stuck around, and they eventually replaced him with Death's Head 2. Well, it was kind of the other way around. And, like, when Marvel UK became a thing, like a much bigger... Well, in, like, the 80s, Marvel UK was mainly sort of licensing properties, you know, Doctor Who and Transformers and things, making, like, A4 big-sized comics and reprinting American comics. And then Marvel UK became this thing, and they started doing American comic book size, different characters, uh, warheads, and all these various things, uh, of which one was a Death's Head reboot. And Death's Head was you know, pretty much the most popular British Marvel character. So it's like, yes, bring back Death's Head, but completely change him and bring him into that early 90s image, Jim Lee, uh, Liefeld vibe by making him like look like Predator, and turn his sidekick into a naked chick, but with the same name, 
whatever reason. So he became this like Terminator 2 ability, morphing. Rather than screwing on a gun arm, he could just turn his arm into whatever the fuck he wanted. And he had this big skull face and dreadlocks. He wasn't really Death's Head at all. But he was still cool. Like, I kind of hated on him a bit in that retrospective comic I did. But to be honest, at the time, I loved him. The same way that at the time I loved X-Force, because like, I was young, and it was super fun and kind of punk rock. Yeah. And when I say X-Force, I mean Rob Liefeld's X-Force. Yeah. Well, some of that's been fun, but I was doing some uh, research, and it was apparently the editor who saw the demand for a Death's Head comic, but he didn't like the character at all, which is why he went with such a weird reinterpretation of him. Yeah, I mean, it was an interesting thing. Like, the whole premise was that, like, there was this new robot that was basically, you know, superior. Basically, because the idea of robots in the 80s was nuts and bolts, and then Terminator 2 came out and made it all fluid metal. So everything in popular culture had to kind of update and be like, all right, in the future, robots will actually be way more organic-y. So they kind of did that with Death's Head and replaced him with a more organic, flowing, big sort of robot. Who basically was some thing that was going around eating people, essentially, and sort of taking their and killing people and taking their powers and becoming this super powerful thing. Then he got Death's Head, just as Death's Head was a funny motherfucker, for some reason, he managed to like override all the other thousands of things that this new thing had uh, assimilated. So the new Death's Head was kind of run by the old Death's Head. Yeah. And then... Speech patterns. Yeah, and then eventually a, like, future version of Baron Strucker ends up, like, taking over Death's Head old body and becomes Charnel. Or Charnel. Yeah, I always pronounced it Charnel. I don't know what it was supposed to be. Weird fucking name. It is a weird name. So what we're going to be covering today is the What If Death's Head Had Lived, which was number 54 from volume 2 of the What If series, which was written by Simon Furman, which he was the guy who originally invented Death's Head, with uh, pencils and inks by Joff Sr., colors by Sarah Masoff, and letters by Janice Chang. And it takes place. It's like a quintessential Death's Head artist. Even though the very first Death's Head comic cover, I think, interior was drawn by Brian Hitch, who would later go on to be a hyper realistic uh, Ultimates guy. And he did that when he was like fucking 17 or something. But anyway, Jeff Senior like did most of the early Death's Head shit. So he was like quintessential British, scratchy, angular, ugly, like 80s dystopia kind of image type thing. Yeah, this was like getting together a lot of the old team, which Furman was really excited about because it was his sort of chance to sort of stick it to Death's Head 2, as he had said. Yes, which is what the whole story was, basically. Yeah. The whole thing was like basically just saying, yo, what if, as it really should have been, Death's Head 1 was way superior to all of this bullshit, what would have happened? And that's basically what happens. And what happens in the story is exactly what would have happened, which is hilarious. Because instead of Death's Head being destroyed by Minion, the robot who Death's Head normally takes over, uh, the Minion robot ends up destroying Reed Richards instead and assimilating his mind. Yo, in three panels, by the way, not even a splash page or anything, Death's Head, like, avoids getting killed by the big bad robot. So the big bad robot goes to find Reed Richards and in literally three small panels kills him achieves what no one else in the Marvel Universe was able to do in 50 years, 
three fucking pounds. It's <laughs> and his wife is so pissed off. And so this becomes the new Charnel, which is once again controlled by the fifth Baron Strucker. So he's magic and science and all that evil shit. Death yeah, basically, he's fucking idiots. I ain't aware of the fuck. Yeah. It's kind of like what um, what they've been doing with, with the Sanford Research Institute, been doing with this AI they've been working on for the past few years. Basically feeding in all this um, Google search terms and Siri data and stuff into this thing, trying to create this self-aware AI. But not really knowing what they're going to do with it afterwards. So you've got these idiots going, all right, let's get this big robot and just send it to assimilate the most powerful people in the whole world, and then we'll have this really powerful thing that only we can control. Obviously, that always goes to shit. And in this instance, very quickly, Baron Von Strucker for the future waits till this thing is fucking super powerful and just gets it and becomes it. And it's like, yo, now I'm the most powerful fucking thing in the universe. Splash. As if anything else was ever going to happen. Exactly. And so, uh, Death's Head ends up getting hired by Dr. Necker, who I believe was the Death's Head 2 partner from the future to stop no, it. Death's Head 2 partner from the future. She's the sexy doctor who created Minion, that robot that assimilated Death's Head, and, like, was the head of AIM, and she was always wearing, like, like sexy little bathing suits while she was doing science. But they looked very similar, because they were both red they both like, had red hair, and both had massive cans. Yeah, and so uh, Death's Head ends up going back in time to 1992 to try and get the Fantastic Four to assist him on the mission. They also get uh, Captain America, Namor, War Machine, and Luke Cage to join in with him. Yep. As well as Death's Head's sidekick, who he isn't really happy he was there. Yeah, he goes back, I guess, well... Necker employs him, like, yo, alright, fucked up, made this massive robot, super powerful fucking thing, and uh, this Nazi asshole's kind of nicked him, we want to employ you to get him back, even though we were trying to kill you, or whatever, and he's like, yo, cool, for money, I will do this stuff, because, yo, that's me. He's like, she's like, what should he say? She's like, what do you want? What do you need? And he's like, I need a time machine and a really big gun, which is one of those classic 90s powers. And yeah, so he uses his time machine to go and basically assemble the fucking Avengers, and then he takes them back to the future, like McFly, and he basically makes them one by one attack this motherfucker. One by one, they attack this super powerful motherfucker who gets more powerful every time they do anything, and he basically kills all of the Avengers. It's awesome, and it's again, it's like, no one in the history of Marvel Comics is able to do this shit in a what-if, suddenly they're all fucking dying all over the place. They're like... Stabs War Machine through the eyeballs, instantly fucking dead. Burns Human Torch alive. Obviously, so much of the work ages ago. From yeah. the inside. Uh, it explodes Storm, but that happens off screen. I don't know why. Yeah. Is- uh, Captain- he, chops- he chops Namor's head off with Captain America's shield. Yeah, Captain yeah. America throws it at him, yeah. he just reflects it back at him. Goes, whoop! Gets duck. Chops off his fucking fish head. It's awesome. So basically, he just lets all those, and all the, like, including Captain America, basically every single one of these motherfuckers gets killed by Baron Von Strucker robot thing. At which point, Dev says, like, all right, cool, you, t- you know, you assholes are tired about. I will now use the really big gun I asked for and shoot you with a really big gun. That's his brilliant plan. Yeah. That's why he's like, the best character in the Marvel Universe. There's no one else to do some, and everyone else would just do some stupid shit. He's like, yo, 
how can I use these motherfuckers to my advantage? What does he even say? She's like, the woman who employs him is like, how did you get these people to do all this for free? It's like, you just have to understand the superhero mentality, yes. <laughs> so he's the fourth wall busting, like, guy sat at home going, what the fuck, for God's sake, that's not what would happen. You would do this or you would do that. Mm-hmm. That's him as a character, which way is great. And so eventually he, like, gets into this massive brawl after he shoots him with the big-ass gun and finally yeah. is able to uh, kill him by drawing out Reed Richards' personality. Yes. Actually, that's a bit confusing, because when you're reading it, it's like, what, he just chopped the side of his neck and now he's dead. How did that work? And then they kind of explain that somehow it was something to do with getting Reed Richards, who's deep buried inside, to come to the fore and do some shit. Well, he's like, uh, you know, you have the smartest minds in the world that you can access, and you're still just beating the crap out of me. And, like, that's when he starts to use those minds, and because Reed Richards is the smartest man inside the body, that comes that's to the surface. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Still don't understand that, why that makes his neck explode. Uh, I would agree with that. Yeah. Well, Death's Head, like... Yeah, Death just be, decapitates him with his uh, blade, then. Yeah, so he slices the side of his neck, and somehow that makes him blow up. Like, what? Reed Richards' powers involve being super smart and super stretchy. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand how those things work. Uh, it looks awesome, and that's all that the explanation requires. <laughs> yeah, yeah, anyway. So yeah, that's that comic, and it's ace. And uh, they really should bring... Death's head into the Marvel Cinematic Universe in Phase Four as the uh, their essentially Deadpool type character, and they could do an R-rated, super funny film and bring in a couple of Marvel characters and like be rude to them or whatever, or chop their arms off or something. It'd be pretty. Yeah, they could put them into uh, Guardians of the Galaxy too. Yeah, he's fit in that world. Mm-hmm. Also, he can time travel, so they can use that to fix all sorts of shit. Yeah, I mean, he's got such a large following, it's really interesting to see that. Because it's like, he's also won multiple, like, uh, polls to see who people wanted to bring back. Like, there was uh, Death's Head 3 because so many people wanted him to come back. And exactly, Head... they fucked it up again. It's like, yeah, yeah. bring back Death's Head, alright, here's some other motherfucker who just didn't pull Death's Head, he's got nothing to do with Death's Head. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. Do Death's Head, you assholes. Well, but then there's also, like, the Revolutionary War event that brought back both Death's Head 1 and 2 to team up with each other. It's true, which I haven't actually read somehow. Somehow I missed that. I got all excited when I heard it was coming out and then forgot about it by the time it did. Which is the problem with this fucking three months in advance stuff that they do. Yeah. Yes, because you see a thing on fucking previews or CDR or whatever, being cool goes on about a thing, and by the time it happens, you've forgotten about it. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, like, uh, Gillen put him into his sword run, and there's, like, the Death Set action figure that's out, where it's, like, a six-inch figure. Yeah. And then, uh, like, he also won a uh, poll to become a Heroclix, which is really neat, because you can have a tiny Death Set. People like him, but he still hasn't got his own comic, and there hasn't been a proper original Death Set one story for fucking 20 years. Exactly. Yeah, close as he got, he had a pretty prominent role in one of the story arcs of um, Gillen's Iron Man run. Yes, yeah. that's true. That's true. And yeah, you know, Gillen's old school. He's, he's an old school British guy. He came, he's about, came up around the same time I did, I think. You know, shared affinity for that character. And, you know, once he got keys to the sandbox, 
that was what he did. He brought out Death's Head. So I was proud of him for that. That was good work. I'm doing and he needs a fucking series. He needs his own series. <laughs> Up next, we are going to put the universe uh, Earth 8454 onto our Trials of the Multiverse list. For those of you who are unfamiliar, we have been ranking every universe that we have covered, which the list is currently some 195 universes. Really? Yeah. So that's, more, that's more than DC. Uh, well, we're doing both Marvel and DC universes. And then we've also had a few uh, friends who have done like sketches or sketchbook pieces that we put onto here. So it's a right. diverse list. Well, Marvel does also have an infinite number of universes compared to DC. Yeah. You've got 52. Yeah. Well, and now they may have more because Marvel decided to screw over Grant Morrison's long-term plans again. You mean DC? Yeah, sorry. What do they do now? Oh, uh, so you know how there was the Grant Morrison event, Multiversity? Yes, yes, yes. So right after that, they had the uh, Convergence event, and the end of Convergence was, oh, there may or may not be more than 52 universes in there. Yeah, and it always did, but no one did anyone even read Convergence? Uh, no, or no uh, one. Wasn't, wasn't Multiversity like massive again? Yeah, isn't well, it, isn't it like Grant Morrison keeps doing these like weird esoteric, like hardcore fucking lunatic fucking comics, and they sell fucking shitloads. But like the publisher seems to consider them to be weird fringe things and try and do mainstream events, which never sell nearly as much. And they do this every fucking year, I swear. Mm-hmm. The same Happened around the time of Final Crisis, they did that countdown bullshit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, where it was. I don't know why they don't just fucking just let him do his shit and just pay attention and just do what they do, just fit in with that shit because that always works. He's like always right consistently for like fucking 30 years or something. Exactly. I mean, he's so far ahead of the curve. It, It doesn't make sense why they can't just like put him in charge. I mean, I'd rather see him there instead of Jeff Johns, because, I mean, Morrison is a person who gets to the heart of, like, everyone who he writes, and Johns, like, he'll do one or two characters really well, but he does not have the patience to, or the understanding of, like, more than his favorite characters at the moment. Yeah, and I think Johns, like, you know, Johns would say this himself, like, he the, he looks to someone like Morrison, kind of like, that's someone he looks up to, like, in the same way that, you know, Comedians would say that they like Louis C.K. or whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. He's that guy, and that's where you—that's the fucking fountain of truth and knowledge and inspiration. You look there and go, "Okay, now I can do some stuff with these ideas." Mm-hmm. Everyone says that, but like that's the fucking guy who should be running everything and, and saying, "All right, this is this is the fucking map." I mean, he fucking makes a map. He makes yeah. a giant fucking map of the thing, an actual fucking map, so you can see, "All right, that goes there, that goes there." Just fucking follow that shit. Just pay attention to that. Work within that. You will fucking smash everyone. Yeah, no, I mean, he would be an amazing line editor, and I know he's in charge of uh, Heavy Metal now, the uh, magazine, but it's like, he's the person who should be telling DC what the characters mean and what they are at their core. What's he always do? Every time he does one of these events, like, with Multiversity, he does, like, seven comics or something, all of which are, like, first issues, all of which have fucking 50 characters each, which is just a whole, each one of those things is a whole line in itself, potentially, that someone could go off and make. Same yeah. with Seven Soldiers, same with fucking Final, like Final Crisis. And always just, just 
starts these little germs of brilliant ideas, which then should be turned into four blow things. Yeah, and it like took until after the uh, New Fifty Two stuff for them to do a Frankenstein series based on what he'd written. Yeah. No, all that super young team and all that sort of stuff—it's so much gold. And then they're like, "No, we want to keep doing the same stuff," and they messed yeah. it up. Yeah. Yep. Bullshit. Bullshit. Uh, yeah, uh, but we have uh, the universe to put onto our list. So, uh, where are we feeling? Should it go top quarter, uh, top half, or is it lower than that? Because I think it's definitely top half at least. What? Just I would even say this quarter. Yeah, yeah. The uh, Death's Head universe. Uh, yeah, man. Death's Head universe is great. Things with Death's the Universe is kind of like a key to all the other ones anyway because it hops between everything. Yeah. Well, we're talking so, about this like specific What Ifs universe. Right. Where that, where that happens. Yeah. Name of it. Okay. Uh, so you have... Have you ever read Gotham by Gaslight? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. Because no. that's the... Uh, I liked it better than that. Yeah. You liked it better than uh, Gotham by Gaslight? I did, yeah. Okay, so uh, is it better than What If Doctor Doom Was Sorcerer Supreme? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll hop up a bit more. Is it better than What If the Mar- Original Marvel Bullpen Is the Fantastic Four? Yeah, yeah, no, like, I'm talking, like, maybe, like, top, like, 15. Oh, top 15. Okay. Is it better than Mondo City 1? Yeah, like, to, um, it's, like, right around there. Uh, right under that is What If Doctor Strange Were an Ordinary Magician? I liked it better than that. Okay, uh, so I think right under Mondo City 1, which is another British comics homage, that's the uh, Judge Dredd-style Marvel uh, Mega City 1, uh, is a fitting place for yeah. Earth 8454, What If Death Set Had Lived. And then we also got questions uh, for you, Akira. Hey. So Chris Sims wanted to know what Grant Morrison's dancing is like. He's a very good dancer, uh, like historically. You know, he's he's a he's a very musically orientated dude. You know, he was in a he was in a band before he was doing comics. He's also kind of like surfed many genres. He was like a sort of like mod type guy at one point, and he was like a kind of weird industrial punk type guy. He loves rap music and shit. Anyway, yeah, he's very good at dancing. He's a sexy dancer. We were out last week, got drunk at the bar, did a bit of sexy dancing. Good. Also, you know, his dancing tends to sort of invoke spirits and shit of that nature because he gets confusing it's a ritual. So it's like so, a shamanistic dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you just be boogieing and then fucking portals will open and demons will start coming in and you have to fucking get rid of them. Fuck's sake, no, no, we didn't need you right now. We were just getting down and, like, the force was just too strong. So, yeah. <laughs> so out of curiosity, what is Grant Morrison's drink of choice at a bar? <laughs> Uh, he likes wine. It depends. I don't know. It depends. He does like drinking wine, like more so than a lot of people I know. He's got, you know, like in a kind of medieval type fashion, I guess people would be swigging goblets of wine rather than sort of sipping little glasses of wine. It'd be like making goblets. He's on that. But I know. He, he likes booze. So, uh, what comics are you reading currently? Uh, I'm reading Attack on Titan. Shinigo Yukubo. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, I'm reading Nozomersky hardcover as well, which I just got on Amazon. Half price on Amazon, that's my way. 
Oh, nice. About 20 bucks. Nice. Yeah, I've yeah. got that on my so, uh, birthday list. On a regular basis, I'm reading, I'm reading Attack on Titan, which is amazing. I'm, sort of, I'm up to date on it now, which is painful because you have to wait like three or four weeks between each episode. And each episode you read in like six minutes. And every fucking time that you think you're going to get to the basement, you never get to the <laughs> fucking basement. <laughs> yeah, I've Come got on. a friend to go into it. He starts the issue with an arrow with like what's in the basement? Like Arrow pointing into the comic. He's like, oh shit, we're going to the basement. We go to the fucking basement. Two months later, we still ain't in the fucking basement. We're nowhere near the basement. Now the fucking, loads of fucking Titans have turned up. It's going to be all out of war for another fucking four issues, which is four months. We ain't going to see that fucking basement until my kids are dead. Ingredients <laughs> <laughs> is amazing. It's like, basically, it's kind of like, it's like uh, Alan Moore's whole, like, Watchmen idea taken to its natural conclusion, essentially. It's like if Ozymandias' plan had gone through, what then would have happened to society for the next for a hundred years and so on and so forth? So, yeah, I think that's the plan to get, and it's fucking great. It's actually a cool way of looking at it. Yeah, I didn't think of it like that. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. the whole thing. If like you know, if you create a society via basically lying to the people and creating some kind of like faked or you know created external giant threat under which we all had to unite, then what happens to society? So you unite against a threat, and you know you wall yourself off and hide from the aliens or the monsters or whatever it is, and you all kind of work together and bow down in front of whatever government has been created because it's there to keep you safe, and da 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 Then what happens? It starts to suspect. And when it's generations and generations past, then the event becomes almost mythical, and so on and so forth. That is a much more interesting pitch that I've heard from the series than just giant monsters attacking walls. Yeah, well that's it works on many levels, you could just look at it that way, it's just like giant naked sexless creatures eating people, which is also cool. Yeah. You know, or, it's like, or it's kind of, or you could pitch it as loads of little Spider-Men in medieval times fighting giant naked giants, which it also is. Like, you know, the, all the, the whole team they're all kind of like mini Spider-Man. They all have these weird like grappling applications so they swing yeah. around yeah. past it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those instances where you have like an Eastern thing which has assimilated loads of the, really, of the best Western ideas and made something new and twisted which could only have been made through that filter. Yeah. Kind of the reason why I listen to a lot of K-pop is kind of a similar thing. They like assimilate Western shit and shove it through their own weird Korean filter and come up with something that we could never make. Hmm. Also, the Attack on Titan movies have been getting shot on. I saw them both in the cinema, and they're fucking brilliant. Everyone yeah, I've, I've heard like visually they're really, really good. They're but... Amazing, and they're they're also really funny. They like it's not the exact same story. It's kind of like you know, it's kind of like a what if version of the thing. It takes certain kernels of the ideas and does very different stuff, and. It, should be judged on its own merit and on its own thing. It's brilliant, hilarious, quite schlocky, nothing wrong with that. Super, super entertaining, super fun. And it has a post-credits reveal in the second movie, which I think probably 5% of people saw, so I think everyone walked out. The end thing is so fucking mind-blowing, it will change your whole idea of the whole thing forever. Like, everything about it is fucking nuts. So yeah, I said, watch that movie, Make sure you watch both movies. Make sure you watch the end credits scene because that shit blows your fucking head open. And I wish that they were going to make a bunch more movies based on what happens at the end, but I don't think they are. 
Well, and I think the uh, people who did like the designs and the uh, practical effects for it are like moving on to American movies now. Like uh -huh. they're doing uh, some of our giant monster movies that we have coming out over here. Uh, which you always suck, they're never creepy enough. There's like some really creepy shit in these movies. Just just disturbing, odd, weird little tidbits. Yeah. Also, they invent this new character who's one of the most hilarious people I've ever seen in anything. Kind of new for the film, he's kind of based on aspects of like Levi and a few people from the comic. He's just fucking hilarious, he's just this smug asshole who eats apples condescendingly at people. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh my god. Anyway, yeah. I'm sorry, that was a slight deviation from your question. No, but that yeah. is perfectly fine. So, Akira, where can people find you online and find everything that you do? Uh, AkiraTheDon.com, at AkiraTheDon on everything. Apart from Snapchat, because someone stole my name on Snapchat. So, yeah, at, at AkiraTheDon everywhere. I'm around. You can come find me in real life, too. I'm a real life human being. You can come give me a high five or a hug or whatever. Yeah, uh, I'm in Los Angeles, wandering around. You usually find me on Hollywood Boulevard or in West Hollywood. Uh, I'd be in a club DJing somewhere, or I'll be sort of running up and down the road, swagging, just splashing. Fantastic. Uh, well, Multiversal Q is a weekly podcast. You can find all of our web information at multiversalq.com, along with image galleries for most of our episodes. Uh, we're also on Facebook, Twitter. Uh, you can email us at multiversalq at gmail.com. Uh, you can find me on the Stuff Podcast as well as at Twitter at, at Coltreg. That's K-O-L-T-R-E-G. And you can find me um, at Fred Ostet, F-R-E-D-D-O-F-E-T-T. -T. I'll also be um, currently co-hosting a new podcast called Wine Tree Hill. We're looking for updates on that soon. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you for uh, coming on to the episode, Akira. Well, good man. Final thing, I'm really convinced by that Jar Jar Binks Sith theory. <laughs> but as, as is Grant, we've been talking about this, we're both fully fucking on board, uh, like completely fucking sold. Been rewatching the original films, it's changed everything. Like, so good when you're watching in that light. It's amazing. And uh, yeah, that's, all, that's all I really care about right now.